Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful but wet Alpharetta. Folks, if you are tired of the mega bank experience, if you're at one of those banks, you know what I'm talking about. And you'd like a bank that can that can deal with you in a personal way, but they're also big enough to handle the needs that you have as a business. Well, I think Renaissance fits that kind of magic uh a combination, if you will. And I know that from working with them myself and the clients that I work with. So if you're looking for a better banking experience for your business, go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Greg Silberman. Greg is with SJ Gorowitz and Company. Greg, welcome. Thank you, John. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, let's talk about you and your firm. How are you serving folks out there? Yeah, John. So uh, we're a CPA firm, generalized CPA firm. Um, our clientele is pretty much high net worth individuals, so high income earners or and or business owners. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we really focused on the tax planning side of things for our clients. We also do bookkeeping and CFO services. But essentially, everyone comes to their CPA, they want to save money on taxes. And so we're doing uh, a lot of research around different tax planning structures, uh, retirement structures, and essentially that's where we feel that we can be most impactful with clients is on the tax planning side. But um, in many instances, clients come to us with books, uh, financials that are just in you know complete shambles, and we have the staff that can pick that up and kind of make sense of that as well. And I think Clients are quite appreciative of that kind of service. Yeah, they find out that they you can really do a lot better job if those books are in order, right? Yeah, they they certainly don't like to pay the fees sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, it is definitely worthwhile because when it comes to your taxes, you you know if they're ever looked into by the IRS or the state, you need to have good support system behind that, and that's what good bookkeeping does for you. It yeah. creates good support, right? For sure. Talk about your uh, journey prior to S.J. Gorowitz. I mean, what talk about uh, what what's led you to to uh, uh, be running your firm here? Yeah, thank you for the question. Yeah. So, um, I always like to stay just to begin by saying that I am from the south, <laughs> southern England, right? But that is the deep, deep south, and, and that would be South Africa. South Africa. I'm, okay. I'm originally you really are from the south, deep south. Okay. Yeah. Can't get further south. Gotcha. Maybe the Antarctic, actually. But anyway, so I grew up in Johannesburg, okay. where I became a chartered accountant, which is the English version of a CPA. Got it. And I worked with Grant Thornton for many years in public auditing. And I proceeded to move around the world. I lived in England for a number of years um, and then got to Atlanta about 22 years ago, I would say, mm-hmm. and um, became a, a CPA through reciprocity. And really followed the career path of working within a banking or wealth management environment. So kind of the in-house CPA, if you will, Mm. where I would help clients do tax planning. Mm -hmm. And many of those companies I worked for had ownership uh, stakes 
as in private equity stakes in lower middle market companies. Right. And so I, I would parachute in, literally parachute in, and um, help out on you know high level strategy CFO type work. And so I did that for many many years at different employees uh, employers, uh, and eventually decided to strike out on my own, mm. built up my own practice from literally my uh, home office you know, back at home as we went through COVID. Mm-hmm. And then my cl- my existing clients in my practice said, Greg, you know, love what you're doing at the high-level strategy point of view, but can you just help us file our, our taxes and can you ca- help us with bookkeeping? I didn't have the resources for that. And I thought to myself, well, maybe this is a good avenue entree to look at a, a, an existing stand-up firm, maybe look at some M&A mm-hmm. personal uh, and get involved there and also, you know, find an existing firm with, Good set, good goodwill behind it, good clientele behind it, and then service them in the same way I was servicing my current practice. So you came into SJ Gorowitz then. That's that's you kind of merged your practice in. Is that it? That's exactly right. Okay. So uh, that's that's a short way of, of summarizing two years of my life essentially. So right. it took a long time, and I'm very happy with um, the firm that the former owner uh, put together and built over 30 years. It's got a strong name in the market, a mm-hmm. um, lot of value add for clients. We've got good uh, referral system and good referrals from clients. So yeah. very happy so far with the transaction. That's wonderful. Shout out to Stacy, right? Hope she's enjoying retirement. Yeah, shout out to Stacy, yeah. wherever she is. Hopefully she's, she's on the beach. Hopefully so. Hopefully <laughs> so. Um, so let, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the – I guess these services, are they a la carte? Does somebody, uh, how best do you plug in with your clients in terms of this uh, menu of services, which is quite extensive, it sounds like? Yeah, so, you know, we typically like to consider us more of a customized type solution as opposed to, you know, once pick menu eight, yeah. one, two, and three kind of thing. And our clientele really are of that level um of wealth, of sophistication, where mm-hmm. they do need kind of, you know, personal services. Sure. Um, in most instances, it's the tax taxes and tax planning and tax filing that clients really rely on. But, um, you know, if they have their own businesses, we're definitely looking at their financial statements, their QuickBooks, and there's always something that we can do to help, whether we can take it off, off their hands entirely. Mm. Many business owners are doing their own accounting maybe at night, um, you know, and we can we can certainly help with that, but there are elements certainly of QuickBooks that we understand that maybe the average user doesn't understand, and we can get transactions to flow in automatically, electronically, and so really save the owner a lot of time. Then, as I mentioned prior, my in my prior slash current life, I was very much a CFO for hire type position, mm. and I would do fractional or interim or interval, whatever you want to call it, but not a full-time CFO. Sure. And many companies I find do need a little, a little bit of help. They don't need full-time help, but they need somebody to look at the accounts, uh, to make some suggestions. Maybe there's some IT solutions they want to put in, some mm-hmm. governance issues, some capital structuring. Raising money is always a, a big deal for a lot of companies, specifically right. if they want to raise debt financing from a fine bank like renaissance for example sure um so that's that's the way we kind of help but it's all tailored to what the client needs at that specific time what is greg the point at which or or what what are some of the issues that a company is having 
that would you think they need to pick up the phone and call you about interim CFO services? I mean, what 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 are some of the drivers in terms of needing those services? So, John, it's actually quite straightforward, right? Okay. When you're talking about smaller business, in fact, if you talk about any business, but our businesses are, you know, revenue of at most thirty million and lower, and most of them in that five, ten million dollar revenue range, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you probably are aware, for a small business owner, cash is king. Mm. Cash flow is king, mm-hmm. right? And yep. that's what causes those sleepless nights for many business owners. And so if you're having problems with cash flow, you're probably not looking at your business in the correct perspective or you're not researching all the solutions that can help. And that's where I think I can value the, uh, I can provide the highest form of value as a CFO. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tapping those cash reserves, if I can call it that. Yeah, yeah. Greg Silberman, folks, he is with SJ Gorowitz and Company here in the North Fulton area. So, Greg, you've got some thoughts about what's happening with renewable energy tax credits, speaking of saving money on taxes, um, that, that are really have come to the fore in recent months here. Talk about why that's happened and what, what you're seeing out there. Right. Appreciate the question, John. Mm-hmm. So um, I am a, a political, let's, let's just put it that way, right? But um, there is clearly a movement from burning fossil fuels to burning renewable, or not burning, to creating renewable energy sources, mm-hmm. whether that's wind, solar. I'm involved in a company that, it, it's too crazy to even mention, but they're, they're pulling ions out of the sky. There's actually a charged particle layer in the atmosphere that you can access for electricity. Really? That's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. kind of crazy. Yeah. But um, the federal government and many of the state governments have certainly embraced that as a policy that we are now making this transition to renewable energy and, you know, some people will say, well, look how hot it's got outside and climate change. And I don't know if it's real or not. I'm not even going to debate that. But at right. the end of the day, the government, the federal government has set policy and they want us to move from a fossil fuel system to a renewable energy system. And so how do they do that? They create these incredible tax incentives to get people to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Solar projects, for one, is one that I've been doing a lot of research on and, you know, looking to... Uh, help some clients with because if you can invest in any kind of solar project you can get up to 30 or 40 percent of that project back in a tax credit and a tax credit is a dollar for dollar of your tax liability it's Mm. not like a deduction right right? it's a dollar for dollar and then it gets deeper than that if you can become a, a, a solar business professional which is actually not very hard to do you have to do 100 hours a year which is not a lot and that you know it's pretty lenient you can look at webinars you can do due diligence of projects you mm-hmm. know research that kind of stuff then you can be in the business of being a solar entrepreneur and then you get additional very very generous deductions uh, and those can be applied for people who are salary work salary w2 wage workers in many instances it's difficult to do tax planning for employee employees right right your taxes are deducted every two weeks out of your paycheck, mm-hmm. you do your tax return, you don't see much, maybe you get a, some refund at the end of the year, but, you know, it's kind of balances itself out. Mm-hmm. This IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, does allow relief through these renewable energy projects for W-2 earners. So that's that's a great benefit. Wow. 
Um, and then, of course, business owners and businesses can make use of it as well. So it's very flexible. It's um, the IRA Act is, I think, from 2022. So it's really new, trying to f- you know f- feel our way through it, as is the IRS. But it's going to be a big deal, and it's going to help a lot of clients and taxpayers. And so these tax credits are available now. The, the these options in term in, in, in being able to reduce taxes relative to these credits are available now. Yes. Okay. The 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 um, the, the, uh, the the element of tax credits has been with us forever, right? Sure. So you've got the Georgia Film Credits, for example. That was very popular for mm-hmm. a very uh, uh, space of time. You've got low income housing credits. Mm-hmm. So it's just another credit in that bucket so in, to speak yeah, got it and that are, are brand new relatively speaking that a lot of people don't know about yeah so and there's a lot of talk about uh the georgia film tax credits too in terms of what do we need to keep uh those at the same level they were before and that kind of thing right so i mean uh people that are concerned about that i guess is the point um may need to look here in terms of what you're talking about right Yes, yes. So not to get off on a tangent on right. that, but the Georgia film tax credits were hugely successful, right? Mm-hmm. It's ended up creating this massive film industry here in Georgia, mm-hmm. which is terrific, which yep. again is policy in action, right? Mm-hmm. It's how the government implements policy and grows an industry or a business. Right. So kudos to them. The problem is when everyone piles on, uh, and I'm not saying this is the case, but you know it can be abused. I'm not saying that's the case, but... What happens is when so many people start doing it, the, the Georgia Department of Revenue reacts in such a way and says, look, we used to audit some of the film tax credits to see if they were legit. You know what? I think we're going to audit all of them now. Right. And, of course, you know, that you're just talking about a huge volume of work which they just can't get through and they can't push through these credits down to the taxpayer quick enough, and that's what's happened there. Yeah, and to your point, it, it's really how – what, it, what I'm getting at is how new these credits are when they're newer and, and the push is to incent this investment, um, uh, those have less of a likelihood of cr- creating issues in terms of audits or, uh, right? But, you know, once they get successful, the gov- you know, everybody puts on one, wants to put on the brakes, yeah. <laughs> right? Because, oh, it's too successful. They, you know, the, the, the government never seems to get it quite right on this, well, right? Well, I'll say one thing, John, and it's not around uh, state credits, but yeah. it's around um, federal credits, yeah. right? And I was recently at a IRS tax forum, which is a kind of an interesting to, to go thing to go to. It's put on by the IRS, right? Mm, okay. And they speak about hot button issues and all sorts of things. Right. And they, in fact, they even publish this on an annual basis, but they put out their kind of 10 most egregious structures that people are using. Uh-huh. And the most egregious or, or um, open to fraud, I'm just going to say that openly, is the Employee Retention Tax Credit, ah. ERTC it's known as. And I won't go to in that into great details of what it is. And, you know, it's essentially a, a COVID-era tax credit to right. say if you lost revenue but you kept your employees on, you're entitled mm-hmm. now to a credit. Mm-hmm. But um, some of the stories that they were, they were t- the IRS were relaying to us about these credits and the, the fraud that they've experienced is on a level beyond... Um, some some that the things that they've seen before it's it's really crazy 
No, let me just say one thing. It's not to say that the credit is not valid and legitimate. It hundred percent absolutely is. Yeah. But you've got you know people just abusing the system and and really fraudulently abusing the system. Well, and you've got um, folks that don't are popping up all over the place. I'm not pointing out anybody. I'm just saying that firms that are popping up that we've never heard of before that are uh, pushing these credits that, you know, you have to wonder about the qualifications and, and there. Um, again, not criticizing anybody in particular, but you, you want to be with somebody, I would think, when you're looking at that, that's got the credentials that you and your colleagues have when it comes to looking at tax credits and, and um, being uh, bulletproof when it comes to an audit, potential audit, right? Yeah, so the IRS claim... I'm taking this from memory, but I think they say they've paid over, paid out nearly a trillion dollars in credits mm-hmm. for for this. That's a that, massive amount of money. And, of and money. even if I'm overstating it, it's the billions and billions, right? Right. But a lot of these promoters, and I'm saying some of them are totally legit, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying anything about anyone's service, right? But some things that taxpayers are not aware of is when they get this this employee retention credit paid to them, they have to go back and amend prior year tax returns. And in many instances, it's a business tax return where the business owner has a flow through, so the income's going to the business owner and they have to amend their tax returns. So sometimes, you know, at, at the front, they're not told exactly the implications of getting the ERTC. Right. Um, Greg Silberman is with us, folks. S.J. Gorowitz and Company is his firm. Um, a few more questions on the uh, renewable energy tax credits so these are both federal and state or just federal they're mainly federal okay and they are applicable in some states new, new jersey for example has adopted quite a very uh, uh pro solar uh, approach mm-hmm. and there are some other states as well not georgia as far as i'm aware got it Talk, give us some examples of how you're seeing different businesses implement these credits in in their um, business, give give folks out there some ideas about that. Yeah, so the, so it's kind of new, as you mentioned before, right? So it's evolving, but essentially you've got um, companies like First Solar, for example, or you've got you know many solar impl- uh, solar project implementers, if I can call them that. And so these folks, you know, need capital, or they will uh, use the capital to do projects for people who want to put solar on their roof or, mm-hmm. you know, commercial property or, or the like. And so really it's it's those organizations combined with the investment from the taxpayer that create this investment vehicle, if you will. So really one needs to find an investment vehicle unless you want to get on your roof, John, and start, you know, uh, hammering in <laughs> and screwing in solar panels. <laughs> But that, that's what happens, right? So you've got the, these industry folks who've been doing this forever and a day. They'll put together a, a co-mingled vehicle or a company which the taxpayer will invest in and they will, the taxpayer will derive all the credits from that investment. And all, all of it flows once the project is online and actually generating uh, electricity. That's, that's important to know. So the, do you work with businesses themselves that want to make the transition to a renewable energy, let's say they wanted to go to 100% renewable energy. Do you work with them? To, to, is that part of your service or, or it's, in it, terms of the financial and tax implications of that? 
I mean, certainly we can help them yeah. on an advisory side right. doing that. But we, you know, there are other better suited advisors who will come into your business and say, this is what you need to do to your windows and to this and that to, you know, really kind of get eco-friendly or get, go green on renewable energy. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't think you were in, installing those solar panels either, but <laughs> but 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 in just in terms of the financial implications of that, it's like I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. we yeah. can help with that. And, right. and you know, solar as an energy source doesn't really support itself. The cost of solar, I think, is still quite high. Mm-hmm. So so without government credits, it's not really a feasible industry. It doesn't can't compete with uh, oil, gas, energy. Um, diesel as an example so it needs to be subsidized and that's that's how it occurs yeah and i can see how a lot of businesses that they've they've got to understand the 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 the, i guess the pro versus con in terms of making an investment there and what the payback on that investment is going to be and whether it's going to be worth it relative to what they're spending now on traditional energy sources that's what we're talking about right Yeah. yeah yeah exactly right yeah got it um so what what where should a business start it's beyond uh, picking up the phone and calling you and, and say, Hey, I, I want to learn more and get started. I mean, what, how, what, what should a business owner that is looking uh, or somebody that wants to participate in these credits, how should they get started? Yeah. So 99% of the time, whoever's getting started is not going to do the installations themselves and do the work themselves, right? So they right. need to find a provider that will provide such such a, a service. Uh, and normally with that provider will come along some kind of financial arm of that provider will say, hey, here's the vehicle that you will invest in and we'll do this, this and this, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to go out and find those organizations. There is a lot of them, they exist. I imagine some are good, some are not so good, some you want to do business with, some you don't. I obviously keep a list of the ones I want to do business with, right? So there you go. You you, you want to come talk to me? I guess is, is what you're trying to pull out of me, John. Well, uh, but, I, I suggested that actually on the front end, but uh, um, but it the, the people that want to do more homework, um, well, the be- in, before they call you, listen, right? there, there is a you know the World Wide Web is a phenomenal resource resource, uh, and there's a lot out there. Um, if you care to you can go and read the inflation reduction act not many people do um but you know you certainly can do your online research and there's i've seen some groups that have done some great webinars actually that i've learned from mm. so they're out there and i'm certainly not going to promote their name because yeah. they're competitors <laughs> no i get i get that i get that but uh you, you you've given everyone an incentive to call you if, if the alternative is reading the uh a government uh, uh, bill, <laughs> I think you, the, everybody's got an incentive to call you, uh, for sure. <laughs> I, I have read the bill. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what people <laughs> hire you for. Um, let, let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about uh, estate planning and, and uh, talk about, let's just talk in general terms about what some of the big issues that you're seeing with clients that you're addressing right now that you think people need to be um, aware of? Yeah. So as far as estate planning is concerned, let me just be clear. We don't do estate planning. That's not really our speciality, and but we'll definitely refer folks on to, you know, more proficient people. So mm-hmm. we know what we can do and we, 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 st- we know what we don't do and we step aside from that. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, some of the hot-button issues, 
Well, as you know, the IRS just got an $80 billion cash infusion. Uh, and I'm not sure when that money flows, but it's, it's flowing. And we suspect that we'll see, you know, a pickup in examinations. Mm -hmm. What I've seen is a pickup in notices. I've seen many more notices going out from the IRS to clients. And I don't know if you've ever received, you probably have, and mm -hmm. it's probably been innocuous. But, you know, people don't like receiving notices in nope. the mail. And so, you know, we, we're getting, I'd say that's picking up a bit. Some of the, I've seen, I've represented a few clients now on IRS examinations. So that seems, to, you know, I can't say if that's picking up or not. Um, you know, if you're concerned with an ERTC credit that you got, we don't actually do the ERTC credits, but many of our clients have done it through other providers and come back to me and say, Greg, can you help, you know, that. So that's a hot button item. Um, and then I think just generally, you know, economic conditions, macro conditions, how should companies be thinking about it? How should they be planning you know, forward, should they be expanding? Should they be contracting? What should they do with some of their assets? Um, been dealing with some clients around restructurings that, you know, have uh, have have got two businesses, for example. One's not doing so well. The other one's doing okay, but it's got a lot of real estate in it. How do they protect the one business from the other business? Kind of asset protection mm -hmm. type strategy. Right. And what are the tax implications, particularly of moving the assets from one entity to another to another? Oh boy, that gets into some complication right there. It sure does. Yeah. It can get real, real complicated real quick. Right. So just speak to a professional is would be my uh, my advice. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't do this without a safety harness, right? <laughs> um, uh, don't try this at home. Kids. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Talk about um, aren't there some changes around gift exemptions and level gift exemption levels? I'm not sure if I'm asking that correctly, but. Um, as far as I'm aware, the gift exemption level is $17,000 in 2023. I'm not sure what it will be in 24, but essentially you can give $17,000 to anyone, to as many people as you want, without incurring any gift tax. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, there's no gift tax between you and your spouse. You can exchange assets all day. There's no tax effect. So I th I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to, but that's what I'm aware yeah, of. Yeah, and, and, and that's the... Um, annual but is there a what about the lifetime well that's the estate tax exemption okay uh, right now you're putting me on the spot to quote the exact number i think it's about 11.4 million dollars so if your estate is worth more than that then you're going to be paying estate tax duties on death of your on your death right essentially. now i will just say just going back to the gift tax i've been fielding quite a few uh, questions from clients so a lot of the clients at SJG have been with us for many years, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're all approaching retirement or entering retirement and they're starting to go into that, I'll call it the divestor, divestation period, right? right. So they've been saving and in investing, now you're divesting. Right. And um, a number of clients are saying to me, we're in a fortunate position, we want to start giving uh, you know, money to our kids, how can we do it without incurring a tax bill? My grandkid is, you know, now 10, 11 or even younger and I want to put money in a 5 to 9 plan to start saving for college because we all know college is expensive and it doesn't seem to be becoming less expensive. Um, so how do we do that in a tax-efficient manner? And so I'm fielding a lot of questions around divesting of assets as, in a, as opposed to investing of assets. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Greg Silverman with S.J. Gorowitz and Company. Uh, Greg... I'd love it if you could um, talk first a little bit, 
two-part question. Talk a little bit about the, the types of clients that are good fits for you, those that uh, you, you're particularly suited for, and then maybe share a success story, one that you're particularly proud of that helps illustrate the great work you do. Certainly. I can tell you about the the, the unsuccessful stories. No, <laughs> the success <laughs> stories are, are harder. No, I'm just playing with you. Yeah. Um, types of clients. So our cli- clientele that we can serve best, uh, as I said earlier in the show, typically high net worth individuals, so mm-hmm. making you know large um, six-figure incomes, mm-hmm. uh, need some help with tax planning. That's definitely where we can really uh, help. Uh, and they can be W-2 wage employees or, and in many instances, the perfect client to us has a business component as well. Why? Because we can get involved in the business. We can help with bookkeeping, CFO type services. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can also kind of intermingle, you know, we'll handle the business and the individual side. And so it's easier for us to determine where the money can flow, how it can flow, what should go, come out of the business as distributions, what should come out as salary and wages and stuff. So there's just more dough to play with in that instance. Yeah, and if you don't mind me jumping in here, this is something that I, I think some people really don't appreciate the value of having all that together with an expert like you, right? Because there there is so much interplay that you really have to think about how a, a a decision in the business is going to affect you personally and vice versa, right? Yeah. So many individuals, um, when they start a business, they'll start and they'll form an LLC. Mm-hmm. That, that's typically the go-to. Yeah. And when you register your LLC with the IRS, the IRS is going to instantly say to you, okay, if it's just you, you're going to report the financials on your 1040, your personal tax return. If it's you and a partner, you're going to do a partnership return. So all the net profits are going to flow to you plus some at the end of the day. And then there's something called an S-Corp as well, which I won't get into, but you have to actively apply for an S-Corp status. But Mm -hmm. it does the same thing. All the profits kind of flow to the partners or the owners at the end of the day. Right. So how should they flow? You know, should you call them salary and should you pay um, SICA and FICA and MICA and all, all the sort of taxes on those, right? Right. Or, or should they just float you as a distribution, a dividend, if mm-hmm. you will? And what's the tax effect there? And what does the IRS think you should do, right? The IRS says, well, we like wage earners. Absolutely. Because, you know, mm-hmm. And so we insist if you're, you, you need to be earning a market type wage and then the, the difference should come to you in distributions. Now, why is that important? Because distributions from an S-Corp don't uh, attract self-employment tax. Mm-hmm. Right? So you save tax by just taking distributions from right. an S-Corp. Whereas if you're an employee, you're paying all those you know, taxes and then there's an employer match and all, all sorts of stuff. So not to get kind of too winded about it, but it helps if it's all under one roof because then we can really dictate what the revenue stream should look like going in and out. Yeah, and the or, and or what should be called? Should yeah, be and the IRS is on to you if if all you're doing is taking distributions. I mean, because they yeah. yeah so it, this exactly is where right. you need need a, an expert. Then you get those nasty notices in the yeah right. yeah, and they they are nasty. Um, so um, and I interrupted you. Sorry, but I wanted to make sure we made that point. But let's talk about success story. Maybe uh, maybe yeah. one that's illustrative of your of your great work. Well, I, I mentioned earlier uh, that ionosphere company that i'm uh, kind of fractional cfo on and that's that's been a great success mm-hmm. um they're still in r&d mode 
but they're really looking promising and um you know i've helped them raise a little bit of extra funding where possible um it's very much a, a in vogue with the vc community so i've helped them interact with the vc community mm. we've got hold of their books and started cleaning it up so most startups as you probably realize uh really happen in a garage setting uh, where the founder is doing the bookkeeping mm-hmm. and the, the the difficulty is when you start attracting external capital and you start you know moving up the stratosphere to the venture capitalists and the private equity you need to have better records mm-hmm. and more you know reliable records and so in this particular instance we took the bookkeeping in-house we've really you know polished up the the uh the financials in a good way uh and then we've also put the owner on notice about you know where the cash flow is what the cash burn is like and you know how when when are we going to run out of money right so i think it's given him the reins to the business and given him a lot more confidence as to you know how he can manage the business what he can achieve when it can be achieved etc the other success story has been uh, funny enough going back to my native south africa as you know, John, everyone around the world wants to do business in the United States. Sure, right? this is the this is the home of capitalism. This is where everyone wants to be. Mm-hmm. The almighty dollar resides here, and so I've had um, a number of clients, and the number is probably more than one and less than three, uh, that are foreign organizations that are you know opening up a branch here in the, in Atlanta in the United States, or doing business here, or um, outsourcing is also a big deal where they would use some resources in South Africa. Mm. In this case, I think it was uh, collections. Mm -hmm. So they'd have a call center in South Africa doing collections for U.S. companies. And so they needed help to structure that, how they put it together, how they make sure they're compliant in the U.S., compliant internationally, et cetera. So that's been an interesting exercise and I think quite successful uh, so far. Yeah, terrific. Greg Silberman with S.J. Gorowitz and Company. Greg, this has been great. I can't imagine. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for coming in and sharing uh, your story and the great work you're doing. We're delighted we could shine a light on that. But let's get to the most important question, which is how folks can get in touch with you, because I I can't imagine that there aren't some folks that we've piqued their interest in some of the things you've been talking about. Yeah, thank you, John. And sure, we'd love to hear from any of the listeners Certainly would love to chat and see what you you got going on. Uh, easy enough, I think, is probably just to reach out on our website. It's sjgorowitz.com, and Gorowitz is G-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, or Z, I forget how to say that. Z. Z. Yeah, there you S-J go. sjgorowitz.com. Terrific. Greg Silberman, S.J. Gorowitz and Company. Greg, thank you so much for, again, coming in. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. Really had fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a uh, couple of quick reminders out there. If you are uh, have dysfunction in your back office, you need administrative help. You, you're s- swarming in tasks that re- you really need to hand off to someone else as a business owner to, uh, to take on. Well, I've got a suggestion for you. The, the team at Office Angels, they do fantastic work, and I know this myself because I use their services. So, uh, call them up, explain what your problem is, and let them help you restore the joy to the life to your life as a business owner by sending an angel in that'll take all that work off your plate and get it done for you. And they uh, operate on on an ongoing or as needed basis. So give them a call six seven eight five two eight zero five zero zero or go to Office Angels 
us to learn more. And just a quick, a couple of quick thoughts and reminders. I've got a book coming out later this year. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Pricing Using the Generosity Mindset Method. Um, this book is mostly aimed at professional services providers. So if you're interested in that book, you can go to pricevaluejourney.com to learn more. Also, a big thank you to you, our listener. You would, we're coming up on show number 700 for this uh, show, and we've been around for seven-plus years, and we've only made it this far, uh, uh, lucky seven and 700, because of you. You have uh, supported us in this show for uh, a long time, and one of the ways you've done that is by sharing the show. So if you've heard something here that makes you want to share the show, please do do that. And also uh, uh, find us on all the social media platforms where North Fulton BRX continue to follow us there, share there as well uh, as you help us celebrate business leaders in our community like Greg who do great work and that work deserves to be found. And we appreciate you being a part of that. So thank you. So for my guest, Greg Silberman, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.